0: Hello and welcome to the brand new Zone 7 podcast. My name is Ben Jacobs, I am your host. We're going to be delving in over the next hour to how artificial intelligence technology can help promote elite level athlete performance. And in particular, for this hour, we're going to be focusing on injuries and what this technology can do to help prevent them. We've got a stellar panel all linked to Zone 7 but each industry leader in their own right as well. And I'm going to introduce them now. We're delighted to be joined by Tal Brown, the founder of Zone 7. I'll come to you, Tal, first in just a moment. John Colcahoon is with us as well. He, of course, played for Scotland, Celtic, Hearts, Sunderland, an agent as well, an investor in Zone 7 as well earlier this year. Bec Smith joins us as well, Global Executive Director at Copper90. Amongst other things, she played for New Zealand as well and she's a strategic advisor for Zone 7 Two, and also one of the foremost voices in women's football too. Federico Zmanio is here too, he played in Serie B and is also involved in Zone7 as well, one of the first ever investors in this particular company. So that is who we'll have for the next hour or so. And it's great to have all of you with us. And Tal, if I can first turn to you just to give an overview. For those unfamiliar with Zone7, what is this company and how does it use artificial intelligence to help promote athlete development and performance?
1: Thank you, Ben. It's a pleasure to be here. Artificial intelligence is a fancy term used to describe very complex computations happening in the cloud. What we do is ingest a lot of data that covers what athletes are doing when they compete and train uh, their well being their medical records and use that data to find patterns that over time are proven to lead into injuries patterns that precede either an injury or a peak performance. And finding those patterns across a very, very vast volume of data requires intense computations, which is the artificial intelligence. But then these patterns are applied to live data to help teams make decisions about which of our players can go 100%, which needs some calibration, and how to keep everybody healthier for longer.
0: And Bex, your involvement in Zone 7, I suppose, is relatively personal because your career was sadly ended by a knee injury and you're on record as stating that the team around you for the recovery of that knee injury perhaps played a factor in you having to retire earlier than you anticipated. Just give us the backstory regarding your own injury and then perhaps elaborate on what attracted you to Zone 7.
2: Yeah, thanks, Ben. Um, I, just hearing Tal actually talk about Zone 7, it makes me excited. So I think that was the reason why I decided to join. And it, it is a personal story for me. My mom said you had the best time ever destroying your knee, um, which I can't actually uh, say anything against. But at the same time, I think that, you know, had technology like this been around when I was playing, um, I probably could have been able to run, uh, which I can't do anymore. Um, and I just think that especially in the women's game, there's. Just just, there needs to be more support around the medical teams, um, and there's so much data and information out there now that uh, it feels almost um, silly not to not to be using it. Um, so that, that's why I decided to join Zone 7. Luckily, they came to me, actually, and um, we had the first conversations, and it just felt like an absolute no-brainer that if this kind of technology is out there, I, I can't imagine... Uh, any team that wouldn't want to be using it to be really honest and especially in the women's game where they need even more support than you know the men's teams that have potentially even bigger medical teams around them
0: and john i know that you've been out in the field talking to clubs about this technology and you've been able to sign one or two high profile ones as well i won't name the teams in case they're confidential but if you're able to tell us who they are then obviously feel free but from their perspective Why is this technology important? I suppose trying to preempt an injury and stop it happening rather than just react to it is more important than ever in a congested fixture calendar and when we're in the midst currently of a pandemic.
3: Absolutely, Ben, and um, thanks for having me on. Anything to do with Zone 7 really excites me. Um, One of the reasons I became an investor and um, uh, now an advisor to Zone 7 is, is about the, the well-being of players. I'm an ex-player, as is as, as Fede and, and Rebecca. And it's not just about what the players are doing now and getting them fit for the Leicester game or the Leeds game. It's about how they're going to play with their children, their grandchildren, in 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. And with this kind of technology, um, it gives them a better chance to, to not just play more games, which is, you mean I was lucky that, um, that I was given the talent I had to play at a reasonable level. Being you know, a footballer, as the, the guys will, will join me in saying, is the best life ever. It's just the best profession that anybody could wish to to be involved in. And now to still be involved in, in, in a company that really, really excites me, um, is amazing. And and the the fact is that, that what, what Zone 7 does and what the, the technology does, um, and one of the reasons that I love it so much is because it doesn't replace anybody. What it does is allows the clubs to, to manage the risk. It's not saying zone seven doesn't say okay. And one of the clubs um, and that, that I've worked uh, worth to get on board who are very forward thinking is is Rangers in Scotland, um, and they allowed us to say to, to, to say that that we're working with them, um, and it's not just about them, uh, us saying okay, so and sos is injured, he can't train for four days. That's not what zone seven does. It's about risk management. It's about giving the information to the sports scientists and the performance guys and the fitness guys, who can then make a judgment on the manager, with the manager and the coaching staff to decide, yeah, okay, we can handle that risk and the player plays. Or actually, we don't want to lose that player for six weeks, so we're going to watch what we're doing in training and, and, and in matches. And it's that level of information. It's an improvement in the added value to the sports scientists' to the coaches, to the and staff, to allow them to make the correct decisions for the clubs. Because we can't know what the risk profile of a player is. You know, Bex and, and Fede might have been able to play with an injury I couldn't. But an algorithm can't know that, whereas the human element of this is something that really attracted me to it. Because it's not just purely an algorithm, uh, mathematics saying you can't train. It's, it's it just adds value in my opinion to to what the humans at the football club um, already deliver.
0: And Federico you're very au fait with the technology side of things, you're an ambassador for Zone 7 in Italy as well and I think as was just alluded to there's a fine balance isn't there between that technology and then the art of football. And there could at times be friction between what an algorithm says and what a manager thinks or wants to do. So how, when you're coming into a football club or advising an individual, do you win them over with the science, especially potentially with a more old fashioned club that is very gut driven in their decisions?
4: Well, this. (laughs) hello everyone. Uh, Thanks Ben. Um, this is difficult. I think this is the biggest challenge that we are facing, as like introducing a data-driven approach to sports and football in particular. This this sport is governed by some, in some cases, very traditional, ancient kind of uh, uh, concepts, and and uh, we need to we need to uh, we need to have a kind of, uh, as John was mentioning, a like, kind of approach where technology and big data analysis comes into place and and come into play and and it's not substitutive of the work that people in the field are doing but instead it it's like uh, empowering the people on the pitch to work in a better way and to be more successful and effective so as this is honestly tricky because uh, this is something that has to do not just with the injury prevention or prediction as we could call it, but it has to do with anything around a sports team or a, or a football club, and even even in the relationship with fans and taking decisions. Basically, that that's around being able of taking decision, not just from the guts and from the subjective uh, uh, points of view, but uh, uh, get help from data, get help from analytics, get help from technology, artificial intelligence, and so what Zone Seven does. Um, and, and it's fantastic the way we are so effective in this, is that uh, it enables, uh, I would say, a fitness team, but also a coaching staff to uh, be aware of the risk and then uh, apply some principles to be guided towards a better decision around the management, management of players. Um, so what, what, what I do is explain that uh, in 2020, um, we can't uh, deny this, we can't deny technology, we can't deny innovation. Of course, uh, I, as we say, I don't know if you can say that in English, but I'm bringing water to my meal, as, as we say in Italian, it means that I work for an incubator. So I'm the CEO of uh, a sports tech incubator, which mission uh, is to bring innovation into sports. So I honestly preach the same things because I, th- I strongly believe in this and coming from the sports world as a player i know that this is lacking and so my approach is explaining to these people that their work will be much better when they embrace technology when they embrace innovation and and uh, that that's because not just because data are the truth per se but because from data you can extract some smart insights that can help you on a day-to-day basis so this is my approach uh, today,
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. And tell, let's start breaking things down now before we talk about some athlete-led stories and get some personal insight into injuries, recovery and recuperation. But what within your algorithm comes before all of that? Tell me about some of the predictive indicators. I appreciate you might not be able to give away some secret parts of the algorithm, but I'm sure that you can elaborate on what you're factoring in to try and prevent an injury. I presume it's things like age, pre existing conditions, and other medical factors that you can readily get your hands on to. But maybe you could explain for us in a little bit more detail about how that algorithm is put together.
1: Sure. So. <sighs> the one of the unique things that we've tried to do about zone seven is to create a holistic view rather than just analytics on top of one product or one technology we try to bring in uh, as much data as we can and i think there are four categories to look at that we look at number one is the player profile their you know their history of injuries their age their position you know your typical stats um the second and just as important is what they are, quote unquote, producing as an athlete, quantifying the workload, quantifying the running, the distances, the speeds, these are all collected, usually through wearables used on on, under your shirt, sometimes through cameras, but it's a quantification of what you're producing as an athlete. And then the other categories, one of them is about well-being. Are you well rested? How, How good was your sleep? Um, things like that, that are now available today through off-the-shelf tools that are not not that expensive. And the fourth category is when teams go deeper into your medical state. How strong is your hamstring? How flexible is your quad? These are measured today digitally through technologies. So all of these go into Zone 7's um, processing platform. Um, and, and and as you say, it's difficult to, to break down the algorithm case by case, but the important thing is to understand... It's not about your numbers, it's about how your numbers change over time. So it's not about running 10K or 12K or 8K in a game. It's about how that number compares to what your body is used to. So everything is what's called baselined or normalized to your averages over time, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a key part of what we do. It's creating that intelligent baseline so that we can compare one player, you know, 32-year-old one position to a 19-year-old in in another position. Not to say they're the same, but using this baseline technology, you can certainly uh, look at trends that may impact both of them.
0: And Bex, along with the algorithm, I would assume that You would endorse practical recommendations to prevent injury and ultimately help players that have unexpected injuries recover. So if we look at women's football, for example, there's a train of thought that said for many years there just wasn't a boot designed for women. And as a result, they were getting certain injuries that the men weren't getting. And in addition to that, the semi-professional clubs and even some of the professional clubs didn't have medical tied in. So they wouldn't have been able to recuperate as quickly as well. So whether it's in men or women's football, what practical recommendations do you think modern football should have to use the zone 7 algorithm but then in reality complement it with measures to ensure that either people stand the best possible chance of not getting an injury or if they get one they can recover rather than be forced to retire or spend longer on the sidelines
2: yeah that's a it's a great question i think one of the things that Zone 7 does so well, is it makes very complex technology, like Tal mentioned, AI, very simple, um, and it makes it breaks it down, so it's not scary. And I think that's the thing that when people think about using technology in sport, you know, Fede works for y Lab, and his, that's his job. One of the things, one of the barriers I see, especially in the women's game, but just more broadly, is that using really complex technology and using like words like AI becomes quite scary for people who aren't necessarily used to using a lot of technology in sport. And what Zone 7 does, it breaks it down into very small bits that you can use. Um, and without overwhelming those that are using it to be able to actually give practical advice and and changes to training schedules. So, you know, also making things more individualized. And I think that was what was missing when I was playing, even when I was playing at Wolfsburg, when we, we won the Champions League. I mean, arguably one of the best clubs in the world at the time. Um, our training schedules were everybody does the same training. So everybody does the same weightlifting program the same you know shooting training the same team training and i think those days are are changing and they're gone but the intricacies of how you actually can manipulate each individual players training um, is quite difficult, was massively difficult. I mean, even as an athlete myself, you know, trying to control my own outputs and and trying to you know, see how I'm feeling on the day. Tal mentioned, you know, your well-being is so important and some days I'd feel very well fit and I'd, I'd feel actually like I was well-rested and I slept well but then, you know, my, my heart rate monitor would come back and I'd be in the red zone for half of the training and I didn't feel like I was. So I think just having that technology and the data to be able to be broken down into very small bits that um, almost anyone can use. And I mean, I've seen AI explain it, and if I can understand it. <laughs> Anybody can, um, and I think that that's what makes Zone 7 so appealing for, for anyone who wants to use it um, because, to be really honest, when I first started, it, it felt like, oh, this feels very, very technical and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to understand it if I'm really honest, but being able to understand it, being able to break it down into small parts and being able to individualize trainings based on that specific player on that given day is something that I just think is, is absolutely game-changing.
0: John, cast your mind back your playing days what was the worst injury that you had and was it treated in the most effective way possible?
3: Uh, you need to give me about 10 minutes to cast my mind back that far Ben <laughs> to be fair um, but I was I was very very lucky in in my career I didn't really suffer a terrible injury and um, I pulled on a doctor um, a Maximus uh, when I was in Millwall um, and uh, the, the the care was okay, but I was, I say I was very lucky, but probably because I jumped out more tackles, I, I wasn't really a physical player, so I was I was lucky I could anticipate. I think they would call it diving now, but I would anticipate a lot of challenges that would stop me getting a serious injury. Um, so, but it was it was the 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 medical care of the eighties and nineties. But, and I, and I don't say this lightly and I, and I don't say this flippantly because I say a lot of things flippantly, a lot of clubs actually haven't moved on. They think they've moved on, but they haven't moved on and they're not using the technology and the, um, yeah, they've got more the more personnel in, yes, they've got more more uh, data in, but it's what they're doing that. what are they extrapolating from that data and how are they applying it? That's the key. Um, and whether it's, it's Zone 7 or, or some other technology, um, they've got to embrace it, they've got to embrace it because um, sadly uh, the economics of football has always been pretty precarious. But COVID-19 has made that, um, that situation, um, or heightened it, enormously. So every single football club in the world, and you include Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester United, you saw Tottenham's results today. Every single one of them have got, got, got to get more bang for their buck. Somebody explained it to me the other day that they have to get a buck out of every 90 cents to spend. And that might mean that instead of having a squad of 26 that the coach likes, they can only have 23 or 22 and sometimes 19. And if that's the case, then they need to have just about every single player available, not only for match days, but to train. Because that's what the other thing that Zone 7 does, the availability, the figures that we've got are not purely on match day, they're on availability to train. And that's one of the things that that some of the coaches that are already um, bought in um, really love about the technology. It's not that, because people get a little bit scared of, they get scared of new things. That's just a human human trait. But they get scared of a new thing in football and that they think that if something is... um, there to prevent injury, all it would simply do is tell people to stop training. When a manager can't plan his sessions, can't plan his week, can't plan his season, if he thinks six, seven, eight players are going to be missing every single training session, it's just not possible. And that's absolutely not what Zone 7 does. In a lot of the cases, a significant amount of cases, it will actually tell the players, or recommend, we don't tell the players anything, recommend to the coaching staff and sports scientists that they train a little bit more. They train at a higher intensity for a shorter period, which means that the coach can plan his weeks, he can plan his sessions, can plan for the games with having the vast majority of his players available, which they don't They don't in the moment. This past weekend that we're talking about, there was 114 players unavailable in the English Premier League. 114. And that's, that's not going to get any easier with the fixture congestion that comes up. So they're going to have to embrace new things because the old way is not going to work for them. They're going to have to work with smaller squads, but have those squads available more of the time. Then, so it's not a case of, and it's frustrating for for us when we're trying to introduce it to clubs that getting in the door and getting them to embrace it, because you have to get three people, to, three sets of of uh, parts of the club to buy in. You've got to get the money men, so who pays for that? You've got to get sports scientists, and then you've got to get the coach and stuff. That's not easy to do in any organisation. and In a football club where there's some closed and fixed mindsets, it's even more difficult. But it will come to a point where, in my opinion, um, which I'm quite happy to give, as you can hear, um, it's not, can they afford to take in the new technologies? Can they afford to take in Zone 7? It's really, can they afford not to? When their competitors have all got it and have all got the edge, can run smaller squads so they can have 19 players, their wage bill, is what they were spending on on 23 but they know the players are going to be available that will be the key for them and and they will all move towards um the new way because they have to
0: Federica, let's get a Serie A perspective as well. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Zlatan in particular, 39 years of age, referred to himself as Benjamin Button, scored two goals in a (laughs) 3-1 win recently over Napoli, but also came off in that game with a leg injury. And when you're that age, any injury, even a more innocuous one could set you back, could send you on the way to retiring. So first of all, Do you think it's a bit old-fashioned for AC Milan's assistant coach, Daniel Benera, to talk about Zlatan as he's just resilient? He isn't someone who usually comes off the pitch. It's nothing serious because he can play through the pain. That was the translation of his reaction to Zlatan's injuries. So it was very much in that old-fashioned mode, perhaps, of he's a footballer, he'll just carry on. But it might, of course, set him back in the long term. And my broader question to you is how... Can Zone Seven prolong a player's career, like Zlatan, who's in their mid or late thirties and wants to try and keep playing into their forties or beyond?
4: Well, I think Zone Seven is useful for all players, uh, no matter the age, uh, if they're young or old. Um, the only thing I can say is I know for experience, and and because this is the theory behind it that. Um, the more you get injured, the more you get injured. So if you get injured, uh, if you have a hamstring, for example, a hamstring injury, it's like more likely that you get it again. So if you're able to avoid it uh, in the first place, then it's much more likely that you stay healthy, and you can be more more available during the season for your coach and your and your team. That that's out of that's a simple concept. Um, so I think uh, in this respect. Uh, yeah, that comes, comes down to what we said uh, earlier, uh, that the, 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 uh, the, the approach and the mentality of, of football is still kind of old-fashioned. And uh, we know that we are, you know, we are pioneers in this, uh, let's face it. And everyone says that, uh, I think, you know, injury prevention is a, such an abused kind of word. Everyone says that they do it, but in reality, in reality no one uh, is really doing this effectively so when you when you you know when you when I met with uh, zone 7 I was uh, very surprised very excited and then when I dig deeper into the system I realized that we were doing this for real and and so I this is the reason why we as a while up we got involved in this uh, in this whole situation and business um, and and so I, I think it's it's, it's a long-term journey with uh, with the football club because you can't avoid injuries hundred uh, percent so it, it's we know that the injury is part of the life of a football club uh, it, because injuries uh, you know it, it's as, as more the more you play the more you will have it but here is a matter of reducing the impact of injuries so as we know the zone sevens club are able to reduce the number of injuries um, by, a, um you say, a very good percentage, and this is already this is this is a result. So we can't say it's going to be zero at the end of the season. But if you are able to reduce the, the impact of injuries of fifty percent, of sixty-five percent, as Getafe did, uh, that that's great. Uh, so um, to go back to your question, um, yeah, I think if you have a system in place where you can Manage risk effectively. You will reduce the impact of injuries, and in the long term, all players will benefit from this, and they will have less number of injuries. Of course, uh, not all injuries are created equal. So in some cases, you get injuries out of you know um, an impact uh, during a during a match, and uh, this is difficult to anticipate. But uh, in general terms, I think uh, it's just uh, you know, a strategy around being able to manage your players and race during the season.
3: What what is also interesting for me is where the player gets involved in that risk management. And that's that's what I don't know, you because um, we all had we have different uh, risk tolerances. So I, I, I could play injured. And and, and you're saying that, that that maybe it's the old way where you just play through injuries, which is what we did. We just played through injuries. But if, if my clubs had had the information and they had shared it with me, what would be interesting to now know is would I have made the same decisions to play against, I can remember playing against Atletico Madrid um, with with quite a, a a serious knee injury. But the adrenaline, and, and I played the whole game, I played 90 minutes. and and But that was my mentality. It was kind of, sort of Calvinistic Scottish mentality where you just went to work that's what we did and we went to work and, and luckily I didn't have any long-term effects but where does a player get pulled into it to say okay you're at high risk from a um, from a quadricep tear but we really need you for to play in the game on Saturday against uh, Lazio so do you leave it to the player or is the club in sole control of that data without sharing it with you and then they make a decision because we, we we will all come back to i think keep saying that we don't make the decisions the algorithm will make the recommendations but the the, the the humans make the decisions which which to me is one of the and tal knows this one of the reasons i got involved because it was purely machines telling people in football they can't do things or they can't must do things then then it kind of doesn't work for my mentality and philosophy on football but i think it's 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 important that that we understand that it is risk management and sometimes players will be desperate to play. Knowing the risk, they will be desperate to play. I, I bet you Beck's played injured, there's a big game coming up, she knew she wasn't feeling right, but she said, I've got to play. And and, and got through the game and maybe then she missed two or three weeks. But again, that's, that's natural risk management, whereas what we're doing is giving the clubs the ability to manage that risk based on data and facts and historicals, not on their own personal circumstances, but on the circumstances of millions of sessions, millions of players, and not sort of thousands of players, um, and I haven't been able to make a really informed decision, as opposed to, yeah, my quads feeling a bit tight, but I think it'll be okay, which is exactly how we did. I don't know what you think, Bex.
2: Yeah, no, I'm um I hundred percent played injured. I remember my last game which qualified us to the Champions League was against Frankfurt and they were number one in the table and my knee was like this big. But I I think had I known if I had a calculated risk and if I had more data, I would have been able to have made better decisions throughout my whole career. so I hundred percent I was definitely that player that would have liked more information because i would have liked to have been more involved in the decisions that the medical team and myself were taking so i for one would have been one of those athletes that would have liked it i think there's certainly other athletes that didn- wouldn't necessarily have wanted to i think some athletes just you know you guys make decisions i trust you but slatan is a great example because i trained with him in umeo in sweden 100 years ago uh, when i had my first knee injury and he had a i think it was an achilles or um, an ankle, and I think that 100%. He's not just a machine who's resilient. He works really hard, and he had an incredible medical team around him, which at that point in my career I also had as well. So again, it goes back to the point that I think the, if the athlete has more information, they can take more control of their rehab and the and the calculated risks that they would be taking, as well as having that support to the medical team. I think those are sort of the two main keys. Um, which I would 100% agree with both of you guys on.
1: I, I, so I, I agree with these comments, of course. Um, I think that one of the things that we're seeing that is allowing... So what we are seeing in, the, in, in out there with clients using Zone 7 is that suddenly there are more options available to them. So it's not just a question of understanding the risk at game day in the morning and making a decision that is informed. Um, but it's also about the few days leading to the game, how do we prepare? What is the optimal preparation for every athlete based on their specific needs? And like Beck said, it's no longer a case where 25 players on a team should be doing the same lifting, the same stretching, the same whatever uh, vitamin supplement intake. We can now tailor that um, and we, we are doing that. So. It's also about what does game day minus one, two, or three look like differently for individual athletes. And doing that every day is really hard. If you need to do that every day for 25 players, you're going to be drowning in data. So that's where Zone 7 becomes a tool at the hands of the skilled operator to alleviate some of those you know, mental computations needed and to help them focus where they are much, much needed, which is collaborating with coaches, explaining this, getting players to buy in. Um, so, so we're seeing that change. We are offering. We're seeing the technology allow for more intervention points beyond the morning of the game.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point, and Bex picking up on that. We've talked about the process of the technology and preventing injuries, and Tao's point leads us on to game day, around game day, training, that interaction between the technology and humans. And one good example of that, I think, is the US Women's National Team at the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup, and specifically Megan Rapino, who wasn't fit enough, at least according to the medical team, and Dawn Scott, who was the head of sports science at that time. She's now, of course, with the FA. And she basically said to Megan, listen, you can either play in a FIFA Women's Semi-Final but then you're probably not going to make the final or you can miss that semi-final against England and then you'll more than likely be fit for the final. And then as I understand it, she still had to go through in training a kind of stress test to make sure that she could start that game. And they went on, of course, to win the FIFA Women's 2019 World Cup. Do you think that's the right approach? And how important is it that there are firm coaching staff with scientific background, and of course who can interpret data like the Zone 7 technology, that in addition to a manager can be firm enough and can manage directly relationships with high profile talent to say things like that. Because if you go back a few years or if you look at smaller coaching staff and somebody said that to a player of Megan Rapinoe's ilk, there is a danger that the player could just go no. But in that context, Seemingly Dawn Scott had enough authority to play it her way, which was the scientific way.
2: Well, yeah, it's, it's a great example. And I think Dawn Scott is one of the most incredible sort of sports scientists out there. But one of the reasons is she, she analyzes a lot of data. Um, and I know that because, you know, I brought her in to work on a couple of projects when I was working at FIFA um, to have her help sort of analyze um, some of the data that we were getting from the tournament. So she's absolutely brilliant. But that's probably... A really good point that one of the reasons why you can, as a sports scientist, talk and make those decisions with those types of players is because they actually respect you. And one of the things, as a player, I know personally, you know, if a coach were talking to me or or a sports scientist or a physio that was, you know, 22 years old and had zero experience, I'd very much less likely take what they were saying with heed and, and do what they said. I think because I would have less respect for them. So I think that respect is really important whether it's a you know a coach or a, a technical uh, a medical technical team but what zone 7 does is it allows you know, people who maybe don't have as much experience in the medical industry to have a lot more respect because they have the data and science behind them and they have a whole team and a whole AI platform that has been developed over many, many years and like literally thousands of injuries have gone into building that algorithm. Um, So I I do think that the more data and the more science that is involved in decision-making, the better it is. And I mean, the horror stories that I have, not just from my career, but other friends and players and teammates. And even now I was just talking to a very top player in the WSL literally a couple hours ago. She's injured right now. Um and having her out is absolutely catastrophic for their team. And yet, you know, talking to her about the medical team around her and she's in a you know a top club here over in, in England. Um I think it it just has to change John John's, you know what John was saying, I, I firmly believe that it's just if you look at in so many other industries, and especially in in individual sports, if you look at cycling, you know, and and you look at the amount that they they're weighing the amount of food that they eat, you know, trying to get the exact number of calorie intake so that they can make it a certain distance. the The science that goes into cycling, for example, um, is incredible. And then you look at a team sport like like football, and you think, why can't we have that same mentality? in terms of dealing with athletes and dealing with performance and, and using the data and using the science in, in football. So I think it's, it's definitely, you know, Don Scott is a great example of that, but I I definitely think that it doesn't exist enough, especially in the women's game. But I would imagine Fede and John also have some horror stories as well from, from their times.
0: Yeah. Federico, why don't you respond to Bex's point? Any horror stories to share?
4: (laughs) (sighs) Um, well, I played 470 matches. Never, never in Serie A, unfortunately. But I've seen lots of things. Um, yeah, you know, one of the things that I I find interesting is that um, when I was I was uh, playing for Serie B in Treviso, it was in 2000. I was uh, very keen to learn more about myself and to improve myself. So. I followed a diet regime, but that was done by myself individually. There was not kind of any kind of support from the clubs. It was my, my initiative. You know, the, uh, this diet regime is called the Zone. Um, I think it's pretty pretty famous and popular. But in 2000, it was something pretty new. And so I followed and, and I started feeling much better. And, uh, and then I remember my, my teammates teasing me because I was asking for ham. In the morning, at breakfast, and then everything like this became uh, mainstream. Um, so, and the other thing that I noticed is that the other the the, 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 the part of the body that we don't train at all is brain, uh, the mind. So this this other thing is uh, is something that is totally um, overlooked, I think. Uh, and I was experimenting and think and uh, because I I had a I was I sensed that. Sometimes players are limiting themselves because they're not tapping into their full potential. Just because there's lots of noise and lots of stress, and, and if you're not able to deal with that, and or you're, you're oversensitive, you might you might not express yourself in the right way. So that that's another thing that I that I that I think it's um, it's important. And in this respect, I don't think we've done uh, lots of progress. I. Still um, I played till 2010 and it's 10 years ago and I think we didn't have anything around I'm not even saying personalized training as Bex was referring to that was a you know like a dream um, an ideal situation but we didn't have anything around big data analysis technologies and I remember just watching games on Thursday uh, before just preparing the, the next game just by watching videos all together but that was it and so i wish i could have um you know experimented with zone seven not just with zone seven but with other, te- with other technology especially in terms uh, of injury prevention um there was nothing and and uh, and honestly you 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 were just uh, by yourself and of course you had a coaching stuff you had a medical stuff but you know you just follow the recommendation that they wanted to give you and that they gave you and uh, and if you were important uh you played and if you weren't important you stand on the bench, and and uh, that was that was it. So uh, that was uh, part of that. That's my experience, at least. Uh, and uh, so there's lots, lo- lots, of room for improvement in terms of uh, personalized training, and especially um, considering data and talking with players, having them on board, having them involved in the process of understanding if and how they can play and they can perform. So yes, that's my. No horror stories, honestly, Uh, but uh, that's my experience.
2: Lucky you, Fede.
4: Yeah, I was I was pretty lucky. I had, uh, well, as a matter of, well, I broke my leg, uh, but it was not during a season. I was um, on the beach uh, on vacation. But I had so and and I had like s- slight injuries. I was lucky as lucky as John may be. I was um pretty strong in terms of um you know um, resilience uh, resi- I just had small hamstrings injuries or or tendinitis, uh, but I could play all the same so i didn't didn't I was pretty lucky apart from that episode that has to do with my mind and not not with the things <laughs> but um.
2: Did you, do does ZONE 7 account for inebriational uh, d- uh, injuries uh, <laughs> or is that like the next phase? <laughs> uh,
1: no, no. We, uh, <laughs> but we are uh, specifically, we are now starting to be asked by clients to look at um, data from, um, from well-being products, you know, like your mm. Apple Watch and are you, sl- are you well rested? Are you under stress? Uh, looking at kind of personal well-being metrics. Um, And that's turning out to be really helpful, not just because, you know, you can have the same volume of workload, well-rested versus not well-rested, and your body will respond differently, but also Mm -hmm. because it offers intervention, right? Like one of the key things that people report about using products like uh, Whoop and Aura and Apple is they are sleeping more. They are they are making a mindful effort to get that extra half an hour of sleep, and that has dramatic effects uh, over time.
2: I'm That's not really surprised.
3: But ben, I, I think the the Don the Don Scott um, Megan Rapinoe one it comes down to trust, trust and connection, which is the key to to any well any management um, uh, decisions. And whether they're taken on board by the by the athlete, the player, um, and I think that Don Scott must have had tremendous trust and a tremendous connection um, to for for her advice to be taken on board. Um, and and what what we've got to hope is that Zone Seven um, gives the the sports scientists, the coaches, um, the coaching department. Um, the ability to, to to build more trust with the players so that they can go to the players and say oh it's not just a matter of saying listen if you if you play saturday you can't play for six weeks we don't think you're going to play for six weeks and the player will say now when i played not so much when 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 the other two played because they're it just pops but when i played um we would have said we're playing and if the manager had come and said you're not playing saturday because um, we think you're going to be injured, we would have thought we were being dropped. There would have be been no, whereas if they could have come to us and said, you're not playing Saturday because, you, yeah, you'll be ready for the Atletico Madrid game, but you're going to miss six weeks after that, and we need you for those six weeks because we're in a relegation battle. And then they could prove to me that what they're saying is true. Whereas if they're just saying to me, listen, we think you're going to struggle after this game. It's difficult for that trust because all I want to do is play in this big European game. You mean that's a, it's a mentality, it's a it's an adrenaline thing. Somebody's telling you you can't do something that you've you live and breathe for. You live and, we lived and breathed to play football. The match days. We love tra- Well, I love training, but I lived and breathed for those match days. And so when somebody said to me, it's taking one of them away from me, that I could never get again. Eh? You mean know, I I played against Atletico Madrid twice, once home, once away in the in the what is the Europa Cup now. If somebody had taken one of them away from me, I could never get that back again. So they better have a really good reason for telling me that I can't play. And now, if he's saying, you're, but you're not going to play for six weeks after that, I'm going to challenge him. At that time, even in then, I think it was 89, I would have challenged and said, how do you know? And they wouldn't have be been able to back it up, whereas the big difference now is they can back it up. And now, they might still make the same decision. but... You can't argue with the data you can't argue with the science and that's what we're finding when we are now pitching to football clubs Ben is that nobody's arguing with the science yeah they may argue on different different issues and we might not get by him because people are old school but nobody's arguing with his zone seven science which is remarkable it's a remarkable sea change I don't know what Tao's opinion is and um, I'm just going to give giving you my opinion on how I'm feeling when I'm front-facing people that are talking about it. There's no challenge on the science, and that's a change even in the, the short, relatively short time that I've been involved in in this amazing and exciting business. And I don't know what Tao's, Tao's opinion on that would be, whether whether he feels that, that there's, there's been a difference in, in, in the, even the relatively short time I've been involved.
0: Yeah, I'll bring Tal in in a moment, uh, but I want to ask Beck something first. One thing I'd say as well is it'd be very difficult to tell John not to play if, when he was demanding to play, he was banging that hand Clenched fist, exactly. as hard as he did into his three <laughs> Decades on, that absolutely terrified me. So I dread to think <laughs> how a manager could say, "No, you can't play." But Bex, I think John. My <laughs> manager was only one one meter sixty five. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Bex, before I bring Tal in, I, I think John makes one interesting point, which is that of course players at large want to play, especially in the big games. But due to the fixture congestion, they might not actually want to play in all of them, and. It's difficult for a footballer to say that publicly because it's not that great PR. But FIFA Pro did a report and basically said players are playing too much. And in other sports, such as the NBA, minutes restrictions are just a given. So, what, what is your opinion on football following suit and saying, of course, we want to try and preserve and prepare all of our players for the big games? But if in all competitions we're going to be playing 60 plus games a season, is there anything wrong with planning for minutes restrictions and telling players that they're not going to play in certain games rather than only judging it on how fit you are come a match week?
2: No, absolutely. I mean, any team that doesn't manage their players and give them less minutes throughout the whole season so that you're not playing 90 minutes of every game is, I would argue, is not managing their team properly. So I think, you know, the shift from playing, you know, you're starting 11, playing every single minute of 90 of all your games, 90 minutes of every single game to managing those players and and wanting to start your, your strongest team against the strongest opponents um, is an absolute must now. But one of the other things that I think that, um, that John mentioned that is such an interesting point, actually everyone's touched on it is, is the human element of the technology as well. So it's understanding how you deal with the players, bring in the players, involve some players and leave some players out of those discussions who don't necessarily want to be in them. I think that's the part that, I've really gotten excited about Zone 7. Now looking back and now that we're discussing it, it's it, it sort of is becoming even more clear that it always feels like there's a technology element to this that is absolutely phenomenal, that the more you sort of see it and the more that ayal explains it over and over to different people and I've sat on those calls, the more I'm just sort of mind blown about the technology and what it can actually do. But what I actually genuinely like about working with these guys is that everybody sort of understands the human element to it so that technology can never replace the human element of making decisions. So, and even if you are making those decisions, there's still a human element to explaining why and how and making sure that those players are still gonna be performing even though the technology is saying, actually, but today you probably shouldn't, and we're going to rescue you, or we're going to train you in a little bit of a different way. So there's there's a massive human element to, I think, everything that Zone 7 does, from Tal and his leadership style, which I really enjoy working with, to Ayal, the CTO who can explain things to someone like me who doesn't understand, who didn't understand anything about AI, who now feels comfortable enough to have a conversation about it to John's knowledge of football and, and his network and how he talks so passionately about football to Fede and Y Scout and, and being so comfortable in that technology space, but being able to sort of connect it into the football world and, and Italy and how that's all working to Roger, who has an incredible background in like business and technology and, and innovation. And he's, you know, constantly wanting to be cutting edge of everything. So I, I think there's a human element to zone seven that sort of comes out in the technology as well. So it makes it very easy for, I think, clients who are working with Zone7 to buy into that like human element as well. And I think that's really unique, working with um, these guys now and seeing other technology companies that are you know, on the market or tech platforms that are out there. Um, they're hard to understand, I think, for people. And even if you have that technology, you still need to be able to work in a team and have the human element to it. So I think it was a really interesting point that John mentioned. And I think Tal is a, is a, obviously a big uh, believer in the human element of everything. But I, I think that's why this company in particular is, is so fascinating.
0: So we've got about 15 minutes to wrap things up. And I'm not going to overrun because otherwise we're being irresponsible and we'll end up giving you all vocal injuries, which wouldn't be on brand for Zone 7, I guess. But Tal, along with the human element, along with the individual element, are there any broader factors that your algorithm has shown that make a certain team or style of play more susceptible to picking up injuries because fans will sort of look back and say, there was a few years under Liverpool where they had a series of only hamstring injuries. Was it the way they were training? Was it their style of playing? There'll be Leeds United fans that say Bielsa's Leeds burnt out towards the end of a number of seasons before they got promoted to the Premier League because they play with a high press, they play with a high intensity. Are you learning anything away from the individual and relating to a team, either in training or on matchday, with a certain system, with a certain style? that you think could be a factor in leading to more injuries? Yeah, so so I know
1: I know it's a very much different topic. Um, I have to be respectful to the sacred contract uh, we have with clients where we don't discuss anything related to them. So, um, but I will want to say a few things. Number one is we have now validated technology in over, I don't know, for over 40 teams from football in Spain, Italy, Germany, UK, U.S., NCAA colleges. Um, And we have not seen geographically a specific league produce higher detection rates or injury rates than others. So, you know, when we initially partnered with the first UK client, all the data we had in the algorithm was from Spain and Israel and... Germany. So the question was, will this work on English football? And the answer was yes, it absolutely did. So from a human performance sports perspective, there is more in common than there is a part. Um, I do think that the way staff, a specific staff in a specific season deals with uh, uh, injury risk is somewhat uh, a special attribute of that staff um it could be about the ability to intervene with training volume can we go easier today or not depending on the staff um it could be about the kind of um severity they treat as a as an as an alert sometimes you something has to be really broken down before it gets treated sometimes they're more sensitive so so we've seen we've seen teams use different uh tools different methods and different cultures um the th- the one thing i've seen work very well is being able to create an open uh culture with players that players feel like they can trust you and saying i'm not feeling great today this is hurting or whatever the discomfort is some environments discourage that some environments encourage that some environments reward or punish that so over time we've seen the EQ element of the staff with the players, when that is solid, then we've seen that do do better in general. Um, but And it also emphasizes how important the EQ element of the operator, because you need to manage the players, the doctor, the head coach, um, and integrate all this data and all this insights into the process. So I think that is something we've seen do well. Uh, when, when teams can create a culture of openness and willingness to to evaluate. And we've seen that in several teams, um, more so than others. And it usually starts from the top, from the uh, organizational leadership and, and how that is uh, trickling down.
0: And Federico, as I mentioned at the top, you're CEO of YLab, one of the first investors in Zone 7. Just give us an outline as to how YLab fits into zone seven and
4: complements it yeah so when we well when we started uh, the relationship with zone seven we weren't investors Uh, but we had invested in something similar i would say uh, uh, three years ago and it didn't work out so it was something it was an Italian company doing something you know pr- um, promising to do something similar it was not the same thing but it was in the area of injury prevention so we read about uh, what uh, Zone 7 was doing with Getafe and we got very curious so we uh, we organized a, a call with Tal and we started talking with them and uh, and then it, it it became a commercial a relationship an advisor a relationship and so we we try to help them enter the Italian market first and and uh, what we wanted I mean the first thing I did one of the first thing I did I I pick up my phone and, and I rang uh, Javi Vidal which is the fitness coach, coach of Getafe and I asked him hey listen Javi can you explain how this system works I'm very curious you know I'm a former player so I just want to understand and he explained to me how it worked and and it was like impressive because they were having great results uh, reduction in injury rates and the impact of injuries was you know they had like a the lower number of injuries uh, for two or three seasons in at all so i went back to my people at wildlife and say hey listen guys we this is serious uh this is something that we need to bring into the italian environment because the mission that we have is bring innovation into into the sport so i was genuinely uh, involved because I wanted to bring something of value, and I thought there was a uh, big value in this. Um, so um, uh, the, we know that injury is a big, big, big issue, and so we just wanted to to tackle this. Not just, and then the, the other thing that it fascinated me was the fact that uh, Zone Seven starts from sports, pro sports, but then it potentially can be potentially deployed in the endurance sports. So I'm a runner. I do half marathons and 10K. So I wish I could have an app like Zone 7 telling me, hey, listen, today maybe you should do a bit less or a bit more of this and reduce the number of, of uh, total kilometers per week because otherwise you, you could incur an injury. So that that's the future for me and then it could be also deployed in other, uh, in other uh, verticals like uh, medic, uh, doctors, uh, uh, people involved in, in the industrial sector. So. <clears throat> But then I started working with Tal and the team and when we started working together and I uh, Going in the same lines as, as Bex we, we understood that the quality of the team was uh, I would say I wouldn't say higher but the same level as the quality of the product so when I started working together with uh, Tala, Yal, Roger um, Who I, I knew before 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 since 7 Bex, John I started to feel part of the team and so uh, and that was uh, it was too good not to invest so that's the reason why we decided to invest in the company we believe that this is a, the future and this is game-changing and this is disruptive and so what else um and, and and when we and then the story went on even better because the relationship we 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 were even more convincing with clubs um we are picking momentum uh, because you know the injury imp- the impact of injuries is still very high and it's uh, it's something that everyone talks about but no one has the recipe apart from zen seven of course and um, and so that that's that's uh, that's why that's how zen seven fits into the Y lab uh, strategy yeah. and and vision
1: yeah and I can say that Y lab has been fundamental for us we now have three clients in uh, in Italy and about, I don't know, almost 10 others in, in conversations. So it's been very, very good. Um, thank you, Federico, for your support.
4: No, thank, thank you.
0: So The final area I want to touch upon is the bit that happens after you get injured, and then we'll get some closing thoughts and wrap this up. And Bex, I want to come to you first and get a bit of personal insight. Just describe that injury I alluded to before, your own knee injury, what happened and why you felt that the care afterwards was, and correct me if I'm wrong, and this is the wrong word to use, but mismanaged?
2: Yeah, I mean Sorry for the alarm in the background, but you know, keep make sure everyone's awake still. Um, I think mismanaged is um, I think every injury has a lot of different nuances, right? So As, as sort of Zone 7's algorithm would probably be able to to explain, there's lots of different elements to it. Um, And one of them is, is clearly sort of um, the mental side as well. Um, And I just, I felt like I didn't really ever have any answers to, to my injury. Yeah, so I think for for me, I never like felt that there was anyone that was really giving me any answers and what was going on with my knee. I looked down at it and it was it was just swollen. It was swollen for months at a time, and it never the swelling never really went down. And I had had an injury in 2007 that was a cartilage injury, so I had a um um, um fracture um, what do you call it? A microfracture uh, surgery. Uh, so I had sort of meniscus damage as well. But every sort of MRI I got or every every. Sort of assessment of my knee. It was always that, yeah, it's fine. But I looked down at my knee, and I had, you know, pain, and also it was swollen for for months at a time. So my knee was clearly not okay. And then when I when I left after I had played in that in that Frankfurt game that I was talking to John about, and we did qualify for Champions League, then they let me go down to the national team in New Zealand, and directly they looked at all of my MRIs. There were about five different ones, and you could see that it was degeneratively getting worse over time. And not one person could just explain that to me. And what they did is they immediately put me on um, the Biodex machine and got my strength back and my hamstring um, and my quad ratio was off. So all, they did all the tests, basically, all the data that needed to go into what kind of recovery I needed to. And right away, I, I within about a week or not even, about five days, uh, my knee d- felt ex- so much better. The swelling went down. So within five days of being around a medical team that just kind of knew what they were doing, um, it, it got better. And it doesn't mean that you know it, it got rid of the cartilage damage that was in my knee by, by no means. And that was something that is still there. But um, it just felt like... Uh, being around the team that would do the proper tests and have the right data behind it, uh, one, you know, could explain what was going on in my knee. Two, mentally, I felt more stable because I felt like they were, you know, just taking care of me. And three, I, I had less pain in my knee. Um, so that's kind of my story. What happened with my knee. Um, but again, I, I think, you know, looking back, had I had something like Zone Seven, uh, that would have helped. Uh, it would have been really helpful for those the the physio at the time because he was he was doing everything he possibly could, but he just didn't have the experience
0: and John, do you think all the little bits of data that allow us to monitor the likelihood of an injury and respond to an injury can through zone seven in the bigger picture, be fed into broader research because there are certain injuries that can come on years afterwards and affect your mental health? and your quality of life. One that's very topical at the moment is of course, dementia and more funding and research needs to be done via heading the ball. And another one outside of football is motor neuron disease, particularly with its high occurrence in people that play contact sport, particularly rugby league and rugby union. Do you think in the long run as zone seven expands, there might be a way of feeding some of the algorithm data to benefit individual athletes in the short term into that bigger picture to prevent injury and instances of dementia, motor neuron disease, all the things that we're pretty sure are linked to sport, but we need more funding and proof to try and um, get to a resolution to stop the occurrence that appears to be happening.
3: Absolutely, Ben. Um, And I think that that I, I came into this saying that one of the motivations for me was was the well being of, of players well into their fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties. You know I mean? I, I have a personal experience of the motor neuron disease. I represented a player called Marius Eliukas who died um, uh, three weeks ago in Lithuania at thirty six years old of motor neuron disease. Um and and yeah the the hopefully the technology that that A. Allen and, and Tal are developing will will have ramifications uh, for players um, in that area, but also in the area just of joints and, and life enjoyment. Because more you, you hopefully, uh, well, and, and definitely the majority of players have more time living after they stop than they have whilst they're a, they're a, they're a football player. And I think the one thing that, that Zone 7 can do is, is kind of bring some equilibrium to the the hierarchy of football, Ben. And what I mean by that is, is it doesn't matter who you are. What club you're at? There's a hierarchy of football that is not healthy for some players because if you're at a big name club or you're at a small club, the better players are treated better. They're given more time, and because that's just the nature of human, um, the human condition. So if the manager of your your Barnet and the manager really needs you, you're an important player. It just it just happens that you get better treatment. You get more time from the medical department, from the physio. And that runs right through uh, to if you're at Manchester United, if you're at Real Madrid and Barcelona. That's just, that's just a, um, uh, a fact of life. That's my experience of And on of the women's
2: side too, Whereas, John. We, I 100% agree, yeah. Is, yeah.
3: And, and that's what happens. And, and so therefore, the, the, the lesser-known players and the lesser-publicized players um, don't get the same level of information and treatment. And if Zone Seven can give people the data, because sometimes it's not the medical department that decide that. They don't just they just don't have the time. A lot of people in football are time poor, and um, because they're overstretched and, and the, their their focus is getting the player ready for the match. Now, if you've got a player that's not as, as well known and is not as as, um, as sexy to the fans, to the PR, to the media, sells as many shirts. Then, then the physio who might want to do the job of giving that player time doesn't have that time to give him and focuses on the two or three players that, that he knows the manager's, he's going to please with the manager by getting them back. Whereas if zone 7 can give him the tools to say, OK, I can help this player that's maybe a squad player, a fringe player, that plays 10 games a season for him, but as a human being, he's as important to the physio and the medical department as the very, very top earner at the club, the sexiest player at the club. And and zone seven will be able to give the medical departments the ability to treat everybody the same. And that will give the players the best chance to live their best life after they finish. Because living it after they finish to a lot of players is just as important as living the best life when they're playing, Ben. Because you don't play with your grandchildren when you're playing. You play with them 20, 30 years further down the line, but if you're if you're limping about the the back garden trying to kick a ball because your knees are shot through, and maybe you can't afford the operations, then maybe it's just too complex, or you've done too much damage. So, if the physios—sorry for a long-winded answer, but this is something that's that's really important to me—if the, if the physios have got. The sports scientists, the performance directors, I've got the information about the whole first team squad that Zone Seven gives them, 30 to 60 minutes after every session, and that can only benefit the playing community as a as a whole. Ben and I think that's really important, and it's, it really is something that 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 I admire um, for driving this business forward and to get to give these players the best chance, men and women of living a great 60, 70, 80 years rather than just 20 years. You've done it. Yeah, you made 100 grand a week, but now you're dispensed. Yeah, now you can hardly walk. That's what happens. People don't understand. People don't believe that. That's what happens. It happened in the the 80s when I played. And trust me, it's happening now. There'll be players that are not getting properly cared for because they're not getting the right information and the medical departments don't have the right time. And they'll all deny it And I can tell you, it happens now.
0: Yeah, that's really well said. And I'd love to dive into (laughs) that topic with all of you in our second Zone 7 podcast. I'm going to get a final word from Tal and then closing thoughts from everyone before we wrap things up. But specifically, Tal, on that period after you get the injury, what role can Zone 7 play in potentially using your data to advise clubs or individuals on how if somebody does their ACL, for example, they can recover as quickly and as safely as possible. Is that something that AI technology can also be used for?
1: Yeah, I think it can, but I also think that the gap between this job being done by uh, non-AI and with AI is it's smaller. Because if you're coming back, there's a lot of eyeballs on (laughs) you. And there are people in the club whose job it is to look specifically at recovering players so so i generally think we can definitely help because comparing your acl recovery to about ten thousand other acl recoveries can definitely find insights um but uh, another thing i'm really interested in that area is the the player well-being from a from a from an apple watch perspective right um there is coming back from an injury but there's also helping you look at your well-being outside of the facility Right. Are you recovering well enough? Are you eating well enough? Are you hydrated? You know, so a tool to help you navigate these decisions, not just around how, how much can I live today or how, how, how much can I run, but also around other, other aspects that impact quality of life and well-being. I think that's a huge potential for us. Um, and it touches on things that we already do. I mean, we are already helping um, emergency room staff and military clients deal with fatigue and exhaustion through the same technology and tools. So this clearly applies to sport as well.
0: Okay, so let's get final thoughts then from all of the panellists before we wrap up. Federico, coming to you first of all, as I alluded to earlier, you won the first investors in this particular project. So why invest in Zone 7? What is your message to clubs or individuals watching as to why they should get involved?
4: That's very easy. They should invest. <laughs> they should be, get involved because... Zone 7 is, uh, is the right tool for reducing the impact of injuries that is uh, now so detrimental to club performance. Uh, has a psychological psychological uh, negative impact on players and the team and especially an economic impact. So I think this is a way uh, to avoid all these uh, negative situations and... Uh, and in the long term in the long run uh, improve the performance of the team because if you have all players available or more players available you are definitely uh, capable of performing better at the end of the season and
0: bex almost with a copper 90 hat on why is it important to tell the zone 7 story and use digital platforms to do so because if those that aren't using it are out injured that's a very lonely time you can be forgotten as an athlete so I, I would imagine that you agree that a podcast like this and using digital platforms to show that there's hope and improvement um is something that is very valuable particularly to those who are out injured and could benefit from zone seven
2: yeah and i think um you know finding businesses and companies that are inclusive in football is very difficult And Zone 7 looks at players as human beings first, and what they have been very um, purposeful about is making sure that female players are no lesser than male players are, even though there's less commercial value in them. And I think that that is a very, very powerful statement. It's very difficult to find. Um, And being inclusive of the women's game, because it is football, is something that um, I'm extremely excited about in terms of what zone seven can accomplish, because it's not ignoring the other 50% of the population, which so many companies do in football. Um, And so I agree with John and I wanted to echo his thoughts that, that players are human beings first. And and that I think is, is a more beneficial message in football that we we should sort of follow suit on.
0: And John the software, the artificial intelligence at Zone 7, is providing marginal gains which are so vital in football, and the difference that it provides might just be the difference between Scotland winning the Euros or not?
3: Yeah, uh, Well, it's, it's, uh, they're not they're telling AL are not miracle workers, so I'm not holding much hope for that. But, um, yeah, no, it, listen, it's, it's about marginal gains, it's about big gains. Um, and it frustrates me taking my, my, my zone 7 hat on, uh, off and put my agent's hat on if i said to clubs there might be a marginal gain with signing a striker for the on the commercial terms that zone 7 would cost you there's a chance it might do this for you the clubs would all be open-minded to it because it would have a definite effect on on the next match day but for something that they're not entirely au okay fait with and not quite understanding, it's frustrating that they don't take that on board and don't open their minds to it. They have to open their minds to the, 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 the science that Zone 7 brings to them, Ben, that definitely doesn't give them a marginal gain. The results that, that Zone 7 has shown are enormous gains. If we said to them, "You, you we can guarantee you half the gains that on average we're seeing, and they believed us. Every single club that we spoke to was saying it, and I think that that's the challenge. And once they once they understand and they see their competitors getting the gains, they will all rush to be on board. My opinion is, it's just a matter of time.
0: And Tal, the final word to you, picking up on John's point, it feels like instead of saying why use Zone Seven, we should be saying. Why not? I think the industry
1: is changing. Um, a couple of years ago, it was hard to, almost impossible to, to convince football teams to, to, to even try this. Um, and I, and I, we're seeing a few trends. One trend is that everybody's now investing a lot of capital into collecting more data, wearables, TV, the videos, uh, medical devices. So there's a lot of data, but then there's very little um interpretation of the data in terms of technology so that's happening Uh, the other trend we are seeing is that the industry thinking is slowly changing from uh resisting ai or resisting uh novel ways of analyzing the data to being open to experiment and to to try you know maybe 30 years ago um the concept of using algorithms to trade stock in the stock market would have seemed like heresy to many financial people and today it's the absolute standard, so there is an evolution, natural, and we are feeling it. So, the big message that we are saying to our clients is, this is a no, a very low risk way to evaluate a new technology that can have a ma- major impact. And the more, the more our partners feel comfortable with this evaluation being low cost and low risk, then the easier we are. Because once they evaluate, we've seen, you know, almost one hundred percent rates of the buying into the product and buying into the platform.
0: Fascinating stuff, Tal. Thank you for your time. My thanks as well to Bex, to Federico and to John as well. I'm sure we'll be back with another Zone 7 podcast soon. But in the meantime, to get involved, to invest, to talk to Tal or any of the team, zone7.ai is the website. That's zone7.ai. It has all of the contact details from myself, Ben Jacobs. Thanks for listening. And please do continue the conversation around Zone 7. We are improving elite-level performance through artificial intelligence. But for now, goodbye.